If you're getting this message, it means we were successful once again in getting past the jammers and are now broadcasting on pirate radio from the free state of Texas. Stand by for more critical information to follow. Many Bothans died getting this message. We're live. We're live. For our uh, second part of the uh, ancient civilizations and myths and legends. And that's so on and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We, uh, <laughs> it's a perfect, perfect intro. It's a perfect phone call. <laughs> um, yeah, as, as usual, we actually, we were talking for an hour. Yep. An hour now. So we got all the intros out of the way, but, um, yeah, I, uh, moved out to the garage. So hopefully it's quieter now. That was part of that that hour um, that we were talking, but um, yeah. So I guess continuing on, I I don't remember exactly where we left off. Left we brought up Nephilim right at the end. Yeah, right? I think we um, yeah we were going to talk about that and if that played a factor into I think any of like the I don't know, ancient or lost civilizations. Okay. Yeah, I so I was doing doing research last night, reading up on this, and the more I more I research this, it just gets muddier and muddier. Because I I had this idea going in that some of these stories were talking about civilizations that existed, you know, the actual uh, meltwater pulse one A one B that happened at the end of the last ice age. Um, and I'm less and less convinced now that that's the case. I and I, and it may be just these stories got muddy over time and uh, attributed to floods that happened uh, in the more recent past. Um, it's it's hard to say, um, and a lot of conventional science points to you know the annual flooding of the Nile, um, the Tigris and Euphrates, Euphrates rivers. Um, they have a seasonal uh, flood as well. And a lot of these uh, civilizations in the Middle East were based around that, that cycle. And, and so they're attributing these floods to river floods. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm convinced on that, but I'm pointed a little bit more in that direction than I was before. Um, I'd like to think of these stories as pointing to the actual the big flood, like the 400 foot sea level rise that happened over, depending on who you ask or who you believe it happened over a a 10,000 year period, or it happened over a 1000 year period. Some people say it happened in a hundred year period. Um, So you can see just on that scale, if it's 10,000 years and you have a 400 foot sea level rise, it's not really that, uh, remarkable i guess uh if it's in a hundred years that's a big deal right. <laughs> um so you know and it but it seems like it seems like we have from multiple different cultures the same the same story um but uh, i guess another thing that threw me off is yes you have it in judaism 
right? It's in the Bible. Uh, but if you read that story and you compare it to the Epic of Gilgamesh, I think, I think um, the Jewish people just took that. They took that story from the Epic of Gilgamesh almost exactly. Uh, if you look at when the Old Testament was written, um, I think around 600 BC, right in that, that area. Uh, obviously some of the stories are older than that, but you could, but you have the Epic of Gilgamesh and the flood and that came from the Akkadians and the Sumerians and the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Uh, it's hard to say which, which culture that story came from, but it was, um, let's see, I have a note here about the age, somewhere around 2,500 BC is when uh, there's written evidence. So the Epic of Gilgamesh was written on stone tablets and discovered in the late 1800s. And they dated one of the older uh, tablets to, like I said, about 2,500 BC which means the story is at least that old, which predates uh, the Old Testament being written by quite, quite a stretch of time. Uh, so, you know, to me, you don't, now you don't have multiple stories. You don't have multiple cultures with the same story like you would if you had a worldwide global flood. Um, you know, it's only coming from one source now as far as i can tell and that's the and that's um, gilgamesh yeah that's okay. gilgamesh and it makes sense that so it still is a possibility that that story is talking about the flooding that happened ten thousand years ago uh or i think i think if we want to just be precise to within a thousand years I think what they, the, the meltwater pulses are about 11,600 years ago, somewhere in there. So if we just said 12,000 years, that's 10,000 BC. So if we have um, the, uh, the Akkadians, their culture, their records of their culture really being a major player go back to like 35, uh, 2,500 BC. So there's a pretty significant gap in there that that story would have to be passed on, you know, from 10,000 BC to 2,500 BC. So we're talking 7,500 years. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it seems hard to believe, um, which is kind of going against everything I was thinking talking about in that last episode oh so it's still a possibility but well i was convinced last time we talked that that these stories were talking about that that global sea level rise but i'm less convinced now it's still a possibility but hmm. um, let's see so i think i mean they have all right so some of the 
some of the gods in the uh, Akkadian pantheon, there's evidence of them having temples that are uh, 4,500 BC. But even then, it's that would be pretty impressive to, to have a consistent story that went back um, another 5,000 years before that. True. Um, so I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Um, I have, I just, I had a little bit, cause I was digging back about the stories and whatnot and just, uh, on the topic of kind of the Nephilim and some of the ancient religions and their, their gods I have a little bit of background on them, but uh, it does get muddled just because you have, uh, like we had talked about before, there's city States, um, in the middle East and, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily countries. It was a one city and they had their own culture and their own gods. Uh, and then when these cities were conquered or they conquered another city, sometimes they would incorporate the religions and traditions of the other city states around them. So that's kind of, they build over time, this pantheon of gods, uh, and it gets kind of muddled because the characteristics get changed and twisted over time. So the names, the names change a lot of times between the cultures, but they're still referring to the same, the same gods. Hmm. Um, but the, I guess I've got kind of a rundown on that, the general high level view of just the, the Anunnaki. Um, and that, that was the name of the, the Assyrians, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the Akkadians is what they called the, their little pantheon of gods, um, is the Anunnaki. And I actually saw, it's funny, the other, uh, couple months ago I was driving and somebody had that license plate. They had this little sports car and the license plate said Anunnaki on it. And I was like, well, that's pretty <laughs> obscure. <laughs> but <laughs> I've got a picture of that. I should send it to you. Uh, so the gods basically of the ancient Akkadians, there was the sky god, like the, the overall main deity was on and didn't really interact with humans that much. Um, he was just kind of the ultimate creator god, you know, uh, and then he had children with the earth and those children were then the, the Anunnaki. It's kind of like a pantheon, like the Greek pantheon. You've got uh, these gods that interact with humans and have their own characteristics. Okay. Actually, if you look at some of these uh, in Nana, actually, you can kind of trace the attributes of her all the way back from, you know, 4,500 4, years ago, uh, all the way up until like the Greeks with uh, Aphrodite, you know? Mm it's almost the same, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. That's um, kind of, I don't know what we were talking about last time. Like I feel like all these gods are the same, whether it's Greek or Norse or 
Roman, Egyptian. I feel mm-hmm. they all they just come up with different names and origin stories. Yeah, and it's exactly, and it's whether or not that's just taking them from other cultures, which it almost seems like now reading more into this, that that's exactly what happens <laughs> is it's just a very compelling story and other people just adopt it. Right. It's almost exactly what the, the Greeks do. And, you know, you have Zeus and he's a sky God and he throws lightning and it's, it's the same thing. You've got like Enlil, you could say Enlil is one of the Anunnaki and He's the god of the air, you know, right. um, and basically one of the the primary, the you know under. So it's it's interesting that you have the sky god, the creator, the earth. Those are kind of like the original ideas, but they're abstract. They don't interact with people at all. They did their thing, and now they're kind of separate. But their children um, are the gods, essentially. Of these these ancient uh, ancient cultures, um, so then you know it's, it's you could probably just find parallels exactly with the Greeks. You have Enki is another one, so he's a water god, wisdom. So that's basically like Poseidon, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he's that's that's a funny one. Uh, he if you look at some of the you can pull up pictures, some of these uh, stone vases and whatnot from back then he's a weird looking dude because he's got like rivers flowing out of his shoulders, except it's not flowing out because there's fish in the rivers and they're going into his shoulders. So it's like, (laughs) I I don't know what that means. Um, But he, he features prominently in Gilgamesh and uh, he seems to have more of an affinity towards humans than Enlil. Enlil just wants to kill everybody. Apparently. (laughs) We'll get into that, I guess. Nice of them. <laughs> so then we've got other parallels here, too, with Enki. Uh, so there's an ancient poem of him, and I've read it. There was two different versions, and they both contradicted each other. But it's uh, him being the uniter of languages. Interesting. And, yeah, and it's either him uniting all the languages or uh, disuniting all of the languages. It wasn't conclusive. I have that poem and most, it wasn't conclusive, but it's still, it's that idea of the tower of Babel, you know, Um, and Judaism picked, picked a side on that. And once again, these, these uh, stories are so old, it's really hard to get a clear picture of what, they were actually talking about but let's see what does it say here change their speech so then Anki the Lord of Abundance commands are trustworthy the Lord of Wisdom who understands the land leader of the gods endowed with wisdom the Lord of Urdu changed the speech in their mouths brought contention into it into the speech of man that until then had been one so that's the end of that poem. And that's the version where he changes the speech, um, <clears throat> disunites it. Um, and this, this particular story is very old. Um, so in all likelihood, it does predate Judaism. So it's, 
weird. It's weird to me. It's like almost exactly like there was this cultural religious idea that just shifted over time from culture to culture, but they kind of kept the same overall idea. Um, and then I've got another one where the Anunnaki created humans. Um, and this is an Enki story again, where um, they the Anunnaki had workers. They created these human-animal hybrid things that did all their work for them, which, once again, why is there work that needs to be done? You know, if these are supposed, you know, if these are gods, why do they need, uh, for instance, irrigation? And why do they need the crops to be grown? And that's, that's the that's, thing that I can't really get behind, I guess, on some of these, like, ancient stories, because, I mean, I guess to some degree you could say it about, like, the Bible or pretty much any ancient text, but they kind of just use the things that they know. And if mm -hmm. you're, like, this nomadic tribe, so all you know is, like, oh, we have to, like, have a reason of why we have to get these crops. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? So, like, they come up yeah. with this story versus, I don't know, I mean, I guess, like, the the Torah or the Genesis where, like, God, God yeah, that... people to, like, basically chill, like, to hang out and, like, praise him and stuff like that. That's... Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't. So these gods need humans to do something to grow food. And it's almost like if you were a priestly class or a ruler of one of these city states, it would be in your interest to come up with some sort of story that would yeah. <laughs> be centered around your people growing foods that you can eat. Because <laughs> and, and it's not just you. It's if the people are hungry, they're going to rebel. Exactly. So, and then these projects, you know, with this, the cyclical flooding, they had to create all these earthworks um, and irrigation so that when it flooded, it wouldn't wash everything away. Uh, and that they could store water for the dry season to grow their crops. So there had to be some sort of central planning going on. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting fact that the, the Hebrew God, um, he doesn't really demand anything except that you don't worship these other right. gods. <laughs> and that's the thing. So we talked about the Bible and they're always, it's always, you shall worship no other God before me, right? And the 10 commandments, these are the gods that he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> these are the ones right here. <laughs> and this is the Hebrew culture coming together and breaking away from all of these other cultures uh, in the region. And they had been steeped in all of this for thousands of years. Um, and these are the ones that they would keep going back to, um, along with others. Like, you got Moloch and stuff like that, but he's just another name for Enki, I think, um, in a different culture, mm. in uh, the Sumerians, I believe. Um, so we have... Oh, so the Anunnaki in this story created... Uh, human-animal hybrids first. 
So you see these old like eagles with the bull body and weird stuff like that. That was a representation of these first, uh, they were like Ngigi or something. I don't know how to pronounce it. But those creatures rebelled against the Anunnaki. And then this, I didn't really figure out what happened to them, but I would assume they got killed. And those were supposedly the, um, the demons. Interesting. So that's an interesting yeah. parallel too, right? It's, it's a very similar, it's like the, the angels rebelling against God and then being cast out. It's, <laughs> you've got that parallel. Um, so then after the Igigi are out of the, uh, or if it's a Gigi, I don't know. Um, after they're out of the picture, then it's up to Enki once again to create a new working class. So he creates humans. And that's the other thing that confused me too, is that the description of those first things where they were half human, half animal. Well, that kind of implies that humans already exist. Cause how do you get a hybrid right. <laughs> of a human if humans don't exist? So that's confusing. But anyways, so they go on to create humans, which they kill uh, another God that they're having a little bit of trouble with and mixes blood with clay and create humans which is also fairly similar to, it's got parallels to um, the creation right. story in the Bible. Hmm. So, but once again, it's, it's a different way of looking at it because the, the story in the Bible is just creating humans in this perfect paradise to just hang out. And this is, they're explicitly creating workers. Yeah. Kind of convenient, if you ask me. <laughs> you could see it if you wanted to go the the religious route. It's almost like Satan's description of the creation story. Yeah, you know? basically. <laughs> His version of events. <laughs> I don't know if any of this is interesting, but I'm finding it interesting um, because it, I mean it ties in with everything. Okay, it's good. all. It's all connected, man. <laughs> I know. I always think it's good to know, right? Because this is just obscure stuff that, you know, it's all oh, these ancient religions back in the past. But then you read it and it's just ties in. So it gives you a better picture of what might have been going on in the past. And I'm all right. for that. Um. So the next story that parallels is Enki and the Flood, um, which is, it's, it's weird that you have this pantheon of gods, but then you have this one that features so prominently, and he's just one specific deity, like the water god. Mm. Um, I don't know. And it could just be that Enki is one of the older, uh, from one of the older city-states, and uh, they just had more stories about this particular one. Uh, so the sky god Enlil, which I believe Enlil and Enki are brothers, uh, he was kept getting woken up by the noise of humanity and kept getting angry. So he kills them off. He sends like droughts, famines, and plagues. So three different iterations of this, he kills off almost everybody. 
because they're waking him up for some reason. That's an issue. Um, and then the fourth time, people repopulate again, and the the Enlil character decides to wipe all of them out. Um, and so he. Um, oh, and that that was the thing about the the previous three is that the Enki character kept going down to humans and teaching them like how to survive the droughts and the famines and the plagues. And so this fourth time that the Enlil sky God figures out that the Enki water God had been going to humans and telling them how to survive. And so he brings all of the different gods together and tells them that they're not allowed to tell humans that the next one is coming. Hmm which there you got Prometheus, yeah. right? I mean, that's the idea of Prometheus. It's bringing knowledge to people um, and he gets punished for it. But uh, so this fourth iteration, they gather, they're not allowed to tell people, but Enki finds a sneaky way. He goes to this one guy who is essentially Noah, but he's called uh, Utnapishtim in this story. And he tells him to go stand by the side of a house made out of reeds. And then Enki goes inside the house um, and talks to the wall. So technically, he's not telling the guy, but he's still telling him. So it's kind of a little workaround. So he tells him, like, you got to go, man. Like, burn your house and take your family with you and go build a boat. And he lays out exactly how he should build the boat. Um, and then the, the Noah characters like, well, how am I going to tell everybody else in the city that I'm, why am I leaving? He's like, well, I'll just tell them the, the sky God's angry with you and you have to leave. So I guess that's good enough. Uh, he goes, he builds the boat exactly as specified. Um, the difference here is that it's not Noah and his family, his sons building it. It's Noah and some random workers. He has the workers build the boat for him. Um, and it doesn't really talk about his family that much. Um, and he pays the workers in beer <laughs> and I think sheep and he slaughters a bunch of animals and feeds them. And then he takes the workers on the boat with him. And he's not the the captain of the ship either. There's some other guy who's captaining the ship. But all in all, it's fairly similar as the, the Noah story. Um, so the flood comes, kills everybody, uh, six days and six nights. That's different than the 40 days and 40 nights, but it's still in the Bible, the number 40. Ooh, I just had a thought. What's that? Um, so in the Bible, you've got 40 days and 40 nights, which is just means the passage of time, right? It doesn't mean literally 40. Um, it just means yep, time passed. Um, so this specifies six days and six nights, which also, also could be symbolic. But the number 40, they actually, um, I'd like to look this up when my computer's not working properly, but that the different gods in the um, Akkadian pantheon had numbers assigned to them. And I think Enki's number was 40. Huh. Would you, could you look that up quick i think it it should pop up on wikipedia if you just do uh e-n-k-i it's just just weird it just popped up in my head the connection there okay what was it 
Aye. Yep. All right. You want to know what his number was? Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, I mean, it's not very critical. Uh, it would just be 40. Weird. Yeah. Is it really? Okay. So that's weird. So that that's a weird... Yeah, like Noah, he's in the boat for 40 days and 40 nights, and that just somehow is some representation of Inky. Um, yeah, just interesting. Um, so then at the end of the six days and six nights, the boat gets stuck on the top of a mountain. Um, so it's the same thing. Like, I think it was Ararat that Noah was on, yep. I think, supposedly. And once again, Noah let out a dove, right? This one. Uh, Utnapishtim lets out, um, I think, let's see, where did it go? Dove. So he lets out a dove first, but the dove comes back, and then he lets out a swallow, the swallow comes back, and then he lets out a raven, and the raven doesn't come back. So then he knows there's dry land somewhere, and that the raven, you know, and that, that I always thought, okay, that's a cool way of finding out if there's dry land, because the bird's going to go land somewhere, but there's probably something more to that in that the bird actually has some food, right. you know? It's more than just dry land because the bird's getting fed in the boat. But if it's not going to come back, that means that it found food somewhere. And so if there was a massive flood, you know, you might have been in that boat longer than we're imagining. It might have been months or, <laughs> you know, yeah. a year until some plants would come back. But that was just a weird aside. So it's very similar. He even lets out a dove, um, but he also, the raven is the last one. Um, so they come out of the boat and immediately they offer sacrifice to the gods, which once again is interesting. They just got, I mean, I guess they, they were saved, but not, you know, it was kind of an accident and it was only one particular God that saved them. Um, but they offered sacrifice to all the gods. Um, and then it attracts the gods attention. They come down and the Inanna character was the most upset, um, that all humans were killed and she's super happy that they survived. And she says that she will remember the flood by the uh, necklace that she wears around her neck, which in the tradition is the lapis lazuli, I think. Hmm. Um, so it's it's almost exactly like the rainbow, right. you know? <laughs> Especially if it's a necklace, it's curved. Uh, so there you go, another parallel. Um, and then the Enlil character who caused the, the flood is really angry that anybody survived, but he gets shamed into backing down and not, not killing the, the Noah character. And, um, and then they all get together and they make Noah immortal, him and his wife. Um, so 
there you go. That's, this is getting weird. That's the, um, what? how so? Just like all the insane similarities to everything. Yeah. It's, you know what it, what it seems like very much so is that the, um, the Jews, the Hebrews, they created their own culture out of Egypt where they had been steeped in all these stories. And actually, you know, if you, if you think about their enslavement, they came out of a different, their own Mesopotamian culture. Uh, and then they went to Egypt. So they kept, they kept all of these stories. Even if Egypt had slightly different stories, um, the Jews kept these older stories as an oral tradition. But then with the Moses and coming out of Egypt, there was the idea of leaving all of the old gods behind and just worshiping um, the one God. So they're changing their culture around this idea or discovering the one God, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. But they had all these oral traditions, and so they just took out all the other characters, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of there being Enlil and Inki and Inanna, it just all became Yahweh. Um, that's that's just one thought. Interesting. Um, so, but that's go ahead. I'm just trying to think. I didn't fully have my thoughts thought out before I opened my mouth. <laughs> um, so how far back can we date like the Egyptian gods? That is a good question. I did not research the Egyptian gods. Um, Let me, I'm sure a quick Google search, but I still got Wikipedia open here. So I just pulled up Ra because that was like the first one that popped into my head. Um, so the uh, fifth dynasty, they become one of the most important gods in ancient Egypt. When was the fifth dynasty? That's a great question. <laughs> I've, I got something here that says the first written evidence of the, the deities in ancient Egypt is from uh, 31... 100 BC. So that would be 600 years before the written evidence of the uh, Akkadian deities. Okay. 3100 BC. We should really, I mean, that would be the next step is to dig into the Egyptians and see if there's parallels there as well, because I would bet that there is. I mean, obviously, 
the sun god and the sky god are similar. And then you have like Osiris, I think, is the god of the underworld, which kind of compares to the in Inky character. It's the water god, hmm. but not very close. <laughs> Yeah, well, I could do some digging on that. Hey, we can do a part three. We're going to have to. the Egyptian pantheon. And then we'll have to go on and go to the Greeks. And <laughs> it, it is interesting. To, it would be cool to compare in detail the, the Romans and the Greeks because they're so close together. Yeah. And we have such good written records. It would be a um, kind of a case study of how uh, one culture takes the religion of another culture and changes it slightly yeah. in a short period of time. Well, I found something interesting here interesting. based off of that. Okay. So the earliest mention of the word Israel comes from an inscription in, carved in stone found in modern day Luxor. I don't know where that is. Thebes. Ancient Egypt and erected by yeah ancient Egypt, um, and he reigned from twelve thirteen BC to twelve o three BC. So their gods were from what did you say thirty one hundred. So that's going to yeah. come before that, but they didn't. According to the Bible, they didn't really have a nation, right? Like they wandered a lot. Isn't that right? Because they, they kept getting taken right. over. Um, yeah. Well, they, they were doing... I mean, they had it right with the, the Jacob... Um, no, Joseph. Who's the, the dream coat dude? The guy who had yeah, dreams. Was, uh, uh, um, Jacob. No, um, no, that's Joseph. I'm pretty sure. It was Joseph. Okay. So that was that was when they went to Egypt because there was famine and they were starving. But so were the Egyptians too. And Joseph went to Egypt and uh, saved the Egyptians. So then the nomadic uh, Israelites then went to Egypt that time. And if you're saying that there was something about Israel from 1200 BC, you know, they were there then. Yeah, they knew of them. That's for sure. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Because they, they counted down backwards until they got to zero, and then they started counting forwards. Yeah. So, what I say is so that's still like a 2,000-year difference. Yeah. Oh, wait, what's this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, our whole, um, there's not a ton of evidence um, aside from the Old Testament about the Jewish people. It's like they're kind of telling their own story. Yeah. Um, and after the fact, too, significantly after. Um, so, I mean, they weren't 
they weren't the driver in the Middle East for sure. So I was, I was just having the thought that perhaps, you know, you could think of the Old Testament version and that influencing and then other cultures changed that and added their gods. But I don't think that'd be how it would work. Because um, if uh, the Jewish people were this powerhouse, it would be their carvings and their stuff that were unearthing. Um, they're, which, which is cool too, because they actually the tradition still exists today and all these other cultures are gone. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool too. Um, but I would imagine that, uh, the Jewish people were influenced, if not explicitly part of these other cultures first, and that they just took these older stories and put in their, um, their God in place. Right. Or just throwing another possibility out there. Do you think that, you know, while they're being held captive and they start telling these stories and these pharaohs or whatever, like the story so much, they want that to be their origin or their God's origin too. It could be, but I think, I think they're so different. I think they're like they're very different. What do you mean? I don't know. Well, the the Egyptians, the Egyptians gods, but I haven't dug deep. They're very different from like you would say, um, like Yahweh and the the Old Testament and all that. That's completely different than the Egyptians. It's, it's very, I mean, if you just look at the stories and like we just read, it's dang similar to the Akkadians or the Sumerians or the Babylonians, depending on which way you want to look at it. Um, but once again, I think I got to dig into Egypt because I don't know exactly what their, their stories are. Well, what I'm saying is, um, you know, so say they're telling, you know, pharaoh some story or whatever and he's like oh that sounds like our water god or whatever Hmm. that must be how he came to earth or i don't know whatever they believe you know oh you're saying i see what you mean so you're saying it was it could have been the the jewish bible and then these other cultures spun off that and added in different deities to play the different parts. Yeah. Because like, if, if you hear something that... and cause like back then it's like, it, I mean, everything was assimilating. So like if you saw something that seemed valuable, um, like you would take it, you would want that for your empire. Right. So if they see a way to like, have that make sense or to strike more fear into the people, you know, why wouldn't they take that? That, you know, that, that is definitely a possibility. Um, especially like if there was the one story, the one story, and then all of these different cultures, uh, interpret it 
and fit it in with their own pantheons, their own specific gods, and it gets changed that way as opposed to, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. that. I don't know. That to me, like at first, like it didn't seem that plausible, but then when you reminded me, again, even though we've been talking about it for like the last few episodes, but like how everything seems to have a very similar story, that to me would still tie into there being just one story and everything's spinning off of that. Which that goes right back to my thought about the, the ancient, very, very ancient culture um, that goes way back before 2500 BC, goes back 10,000 years, 12,000 years. Um, and that's the compelling story that keeps getting passed on. And all of these newer cultures keep interpreting it. Um, but it's the same storyline. And that's, that's where I was last episode when I was thinking about this flood actually being a story about the, the sea level rise. Um, and that's, that's the one I'm, I want to be true. <laughs> <laughs> I want there to be a culture uh, that is much more ancient than anything that we have records of. And that's, that's why I'm interested in this. I mean, aside from all of the other stuff and the, the religious connotations, what I'm really interested about with these common stories is um, we don't have records of civilizations. It, it all goes away, even stuff carved in stone. Right. And we're seeing that like, like the civilization quote unquote springs up uh, like 6,000 years ago. Well, by springing up, we just mean that that's where we have archaeological evidence. But it very well could be that there were civilizations much older than that, and we just don't have records because nothing would be left, except the only thing that we know gets passed on is people have children. It's an unbroken line. And the only thing that they can really pass on is the stories. Um, nothing else, nothing else, you know, really remains. It's like the human brain is kind of a time capsule. Um, you can keep passing on these stories from person to person, but nothing else. Even if you carve, even if you build a pyramid, eventually it's going to be gone. You can write it, you know, carve words into granite and eventually isis is going to come along and blow it up you know right. <laughs> uh, or it's going to get worn smooth it's just and this is like um just reading these stories is the only way that we can really delve back in time farther than the uh the uh archaeological record so it's like trying to find some meaning in the way the stories are told or just trying to find some commonalities, which we found quite a few commonalities, which indicates that there was a story at some point that these other people adopted. Uh, yeah, now. it's, I don't know, man. Still trying to figure out who, like, who was the first. And I guess, I don't know. Yeah some ancient I don't know if you follow like the progressions of the Old Testament though 
and even like into like the apocrypha and stuff like that like it does branch out and talks about how like they basically you know once they adam and eve got kicked out of the garden of eden like everybody just started kind of branching out and kind of going and going their own way basically so mm-hmm. it could i mean it could have oh man like it, it, it could have come from anywhere well, that's that's the interesting part too. Is all right. So let's say it starts with Adam and Eve. They would tell the story, right? Um, but how would they know what happened before that? So they ate of the tree of knowledge. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not even saying. I I'm guess. not even saying like they're like. I wasn't trying to say that they're. Uh, that it was them and they're like saying it like uh bedtime stories or nothing but like for instance like cain branched out and his people became like the canaanites right mm-hmm. could have come from them it could have come from you know a variety of people that again i, I mean i guess if you follow the the uh chronology of genesis you know the people that ended up becoming the egyptians or the people that ended up becoming you know whoever the sumerians yeah yeah for sure exactly exactly i'm with you i don't know it's interesting i i feel like we did not intend to i don't know do a multi-multi-part episode on this but we keep (laughs) i don't know there's so many questions. Yeah. It is weird. It is weird, the parallels. It's just, if you've never heard that before, it's kind of shocking almost. But um, uh, there was, I still have the Epic of Gilgamesh, but that's kind of, you know, the, the flood story was the last part of the Epic of Gilgamesh. But the, um, the you can see parallels in this this the first part of the story too, with almost a garden of Eden story, mm. just from a totally different perspective. Interesting. <laughs> um, and you kind of have to read into it, but I, I do a brief uh, summary of it. And see yeah, do think. it. Um, so this is the one. So they found, uh, 11 different stone tablets with this written on it in the 1800s. And then it was translated in 1872. Um, but, it starts out with the king of Uruk, which is in Iraq. So it's kind of interesting, but it sounds an awful lot like right. Iraq. Uruk. Um, so it was a city, and there was the king of the city was Gilgamesh. He was like a giant superhuman. Um, nobody could tell him what to do, and he was just running wild. Like <laughs> the the way they describe it's hilarious, but he was basically just taking everybody's wives and daughter and stuff and just being a bad dude. And so the people, the people then pray to the, the sky God who then once again, like goes to, um, Enki and they, they create, um, a nemesis basically to Gilgamesh to put him in check. 
so they create out of clay um, inky dupe. And this guy is, you know, a superhuman as well who can fight Gilgamesh so that he stops, you know, messing with his people. Uh, so uh, Enkidu is a giant. He's hairy. He's basically a wild animal to start off with. And he hangs out with all the animals. He's the friend of the animals. He grazes with the cows. He drinks the watering holes, all that stuff. And the animals like him. So... If you want to read into that, you could say, well, that sounds a lot like Adam in the Garden of Eden. But hmm. um, then he, um, Enkidu, encounters uh, hunters who are trapping the animals and they get scared off and Enkidu uh, wrecks their traps because they're hurting the animals. So uh, the hunters go back to Gilgamesh and tell him about this crazy, giant, hairy, creature and Gilgamesh decides to send a prostitute to tame him which like okay. what <laughs> what what is that anyways but so she civilizes him and he loses his hair and he puts on clothes and she then tells him to go fight um, Gilgamesh because Gilgamesh is just this nasty dude who everybody hates um, and then there's a part in there too where Enkidu hangs out with the shepherds and they teach him how to uh, speak teach him language and how to be civilized and eat food and stuff but I mean gosh that's a weird story you know wild man lives with animals um, then he sent a woman who then civilizes him. Um, and then, I mean, that's there's a little bit of a parallel there, but that's crazy. Uh, so then thank you. Yeah. And uh, so eventually thank you. goes to Uruk and fights Gilgamesh and they have this huge battle and Gilgamesh beats thank but they become friends after the fight. And then they go on uh, adventures together. Um, so, it, it, I guess problem solved. Gilgamesh has now got something to do. Um, he's not terrorizing his people anymore. And they there's all sorts of stories, weird, bizarre stories. They go out and slay monsters. And um, they eventually, uh, Gilgamesh uh, turns down a marriage proposal with Inanna, the goddess and it makes her very upset. So then she sends the bull of heaven to destroy, I don't know, humanity, I guess. And Enkidu and Gilgamesh fight it and kill it. But then uh, that makes the gods really upset and they kill Enkidu. And then Gilgamesh is depressed and searches, once, goes to the underworld eventually to find the, the ghost or... Um, find Enkidu and that's where he runs into Noah along the way and Noah tells him the story about the flood um, yeah and I mean it, it kind of ends well because then Gilgamesh goes back to Uruk and now he's wise and not tyrannical and he builds an awesome empire hmm. um, yeah oh that was oh I had a note here the the Noah the thing 
the boat that Noah was supposed to build had a name. It was called the Preserver of Life. <laughs> he just reversed that. It's a giant life preserver. Wow. <laughs> I, I found oh, that funny. funny. <laughs> hey, it's going to flood. <clears throat> Get your life preserver. <laughs> this is crazy, dude. But I just, I don't. Yeah, that's... I never realized how similar they all were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And that's, I mean, that's a written record in stone, well, clay tablets from uh, 4,500 years ago. And the story was presumably around a lot longer than that. Um, like I'd said with... Um, that temple to uh, Enki was 6,000 years ago, or uh, no, more than that, like 8,000 years ago. So, yeah, anyways, that's the, the brief summation of the Anunnaki. Mm. <laughs> we didn't really get into, I didn't get into the, all the legends specifically around them. I was more interested in that the Epic of Gilgamesh and the, the parallels there with a little bit more detail from last time. I'll have to maybe do some more research and keep this going. Yeah, I think the Egyptians are next. Let's turn this into a, an ancient civilization podcast. Right, I mean, <laughs> you're like heavy on the politics and current events and now we're just Way out, of course. <laughs> oh man, going into ancient voodoo. We might as well Let's cover everything. Yeah, well, yeah. And then do a little a comparison between the Greeks and the Romans would be cool. Just round it off. But yeah, that would be cool. I find it fascinating. Oh, that's that's what I was reading last nice. night. <laughs> Dang, man. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we mix it up and next time do like a current events thing or what's in the news. That seems so boring now. I haven't really been paying attention. <laughs> we could, I mean, the only thing, the reason I'm going with this as opposed to like breaking down the Old Testament is that so many people have done that. Um, it's, it's hard to have a unique perspective. Right. right? I, I don't know if I really had a perspective on these um the the story i was just kind of relaying the story but um there is a, a thought too i'd heard somebody talk about how you know the nephilim referenced in the bible are the gods coming down having children with with humans and that those the children were then the, the nephilim yeah right? i've heard that um and it says, you know, in the Bible, oh, these were the, the gods and heroes of old, right? Well, that sounds a lot like they're referencing this epic of Gilgamesh, you know? Yeah. But, like they were explaining it in the Bible. Like, well, you're going to hear all these stories about, you know, Gilgamesh and Enkidu. And I'm sure there was others that we don't have. And so in the Bible... They're like, well, here's here's what happened. It was the gods came down and had 
children, and that's the stories you're all hearing about. There's these giants of the past, which like Gilgamesh and Ank uh, Ankidu were giants. So there you go. There's ancient story of Nephilim right there. Gilgamesh was a Nephilim. So spinning off of that, here's a theory. All right. So I guess so if they so if they're the fallen gods, so like so you know, let's say they're the fallen angels from the Bible, right? So mm -hmm. again, like their their whole thing was they got jealous that mankind was created. Satan thought he could do it better. They all get kicked out. So if they're already jealous, that means they would have an ego, which would mean if they presented themselves to humans back then, slept with the women, you know, what have you, created the Nephilim, what's to say that they wouldn't say, hey, write down these stories of me, talk about how great I am. And then that's right. how you get, you know, the tale of Gilgamesh, or you get the, or again, you know, like the predictive programming with, you know, saying, hey, write this, you know, this is how I came down, because you knew, you know, Moses was going to do the basket in the river thing. So you say, no, this is how I, I came to existence. You know what I mean? Right. That, I mean, that's distinct possibility, certainly. Um, the, the thing I saw, I don't know what your angle on the Old Testament is, but um, my upbringing, you know, with the, the Catholic tradition, it is they kind of look at the Old Testament as an allegory to begin with. Um, it's not taken to be literally true until the New Testament. Um, so there's from the, the Christian tradition, at least Catholic perspective, you know, the literal story of the flood and, you know, two animals of each kind, like, well, you know, it's, it's kind of just a story. It's not a literal what happened, but, um, what is that? Is that from your perspective as well? Or your background? Or they, you take it more? Literally? Well, I mean, I guess, um, from my perspective now, I would say that, to me, it's almost, I would say that the Old Testament would almost be more literal. I would, I would almost reverse those just because typically the, the Old Testament books are usually either like historical records. Um, uh, oh, man, what do you call it? The genealogy records. Oh, I can't believe I blanked on that. Um, you know, so so it, they're all within historical context, right? Whereas, okay. to me, the New Testament is, as it says, it's it's the New Covenant. So that's more of a kind of like how-to list and like this is how you should live. This is what he did for you, and this is how you should live. So to me... So that sounds literal, but then there's, he talks in parables like all the time, like throughout the entire gospels, like right. everything, oh man, there's this, uh, 
I forget what chapter, but I believe it's in both, I want to say Mark and maybe John, where like he like tells him a parable and the disciples are like, yeah, we don't get it. And he's like, all right. Uh, he gives him another one. They're like, yeah, we, we still don't get it. And he like, he doesn't lose his patience, but he like keeps trying to tell him parables to like get them to realize that like forget this physical plane stuff. Like that doesn't matter. Like I'm trying to tell you like this is a matter of like life and death. Like you're fighting the principalities of the air. You know what I mean? So it's to me, there's a lot more metaphor within the New Testament than there is the Old Testament, if that makes sense. I feel that was long-winded. No, that, that, I, the question I have immediately is why? You know, if they don't understand it and it's very important, why wouldn't he spell it out literally? And the thing I was thinking of is that the Bible was written after after the fact, right? Right. Um, and especially it was they were being persecuted heavily. So perhaps the stories had to be in metaphor so that the Romans wouldn't um, wouldn't crack down on them as hard. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're at a church, you're in a public square talking about this and you're saying, well, Jesus told us to do this. Well, if this was directly, uh, if it was seditious, you just, everybody get killed. So it's kind of like encoding the real message in a way that's not directly seditious, but also if you really study it, conveys the real message. You know, perhaps Jesus didn't necessarily talk in parables. I don't know if that's sacrilegious, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a possibility for sure. Um, or maybe he did because it was the same thing then, you know? he was saying things that were heretical to the Jews, he could have got killed immediately by the Jews. Yeah. That's a, you think about that. If he's talking to the multitudes and all of the Pharisees and Sadducees are sitting around, you know, the rabbis are listening to him. Um, they're waiting for him to slip up and say something that's heretical uh, so that they can kill him. Right. So then he talks in parable so he can convey the real message, but not in a way that they can take uh, literally. It's, it's, I mean, I go back to this, too, with the Jewish tradition being kind of the origins of law, our modern-day legal system, and how lawyers argue. Um, it's, it's, I think it comes directly from the Jewish tradition. because They have the law, and then they have their lawyers, which are the rabbis, and they go back and forth arguing the finer points. Um, and whoever has the best argument for the interpretation wins. Um, so it was like Jesus was presenting a case in court, the public court, and the rabbis were sitting there as the, uh, I guess, what would they be? They would be the prosecution, the prosecutors, he'd be the defendant. And he's got to say it in just the right way so he doesn't get thrown out of court, you know, or disbarred. But he's still presenting a message, you know, that the people can take away. So he's he's arguing to the jury 
with the parables, but he's still in court and he's got to say it in just the right way so he doesn't get disbarred. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a real possibility. Um, there's also like, I mean, look at when you try to tell somebody who, you know, maybe doesn't question things, just watches CNN, uh, or Fox News, you know, whatever, goes about their life, doesn't think too hard about, you know, anything that's going on. And then somebody were to come and tell them like, hey, man, these these shots that they want you to take might not be the safest. Or, hey, our government may have killed a president. You know, and then that, that just, like, explodes their brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if, if he's going to a group of people that, you know, pretty much like shepherding, fishing, blacksmithing, that type of stuff is, like, what they do. And he's trying to tell them that, like, hey, there's, like, you know, the ultimate battle of, like, good versus evil, of, like, people falling from the heavens. Like, that would just completely explode their brain. Right. So I think he was... Yeah, so he's got to, like... What's that? Put it in terms that they can understand. He's got to put it in terms that they can understand. Yeah but not go too far where they just walk away and go, this guy's yeah. crazy. Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times I've talked to friends or, I guess, former friends about stuff, and they're just like, yeah, Greg's on one the day. <laughs> and then, just, you know, <laughs> and then they walk away and I don't talk to them more. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Cause it's the perspective, you know, if you, you have a perspective that's built up with tons of different evidence and points and you're putting together this big picture. And when people see it from a very simplistic perspective, it just doesn't compute. And it's like, well, how do you explain how you got, how you got to Kennedy being assassinated? You know, it's like, how, how do you, it, it took a lot of digging and a lot of, you know, looking at past performance being an indicator of future results, as it were, with the CIA, how they operate. You're looking at all the deeper things that are going on behind the scenes with the military-industrial complex and the power plays of getting into war with Vietnam and Cuba. It's like, well, that's just scratching the surface, you know? And if somebody's just looking at it, well, CIA works for the president. Why would they kill him? It's like, hmm, you, you got to dig a little deeper than exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, Lee Harvey Oswald did it. Obviously, they found him. He got arrested. He had the gun. It's like, but <laughs> he was a, yeah, there's more to it. <laughs> he had some interactions, let's say, and maybe it's a little suspicious that he gets assassinated before he can talk about his side of the yeah. story. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, no kidding. Like what? And this guy who assassinated him had contact with the CIA and was part of MK ultra. And then he went insane and died in the hospital later. 
after he got visited by one of the MK Ultra guys who may or may not have dosed him with a tremendous amount of LSD, <laughs> which was part of MK Ultra in the first place. They were dosing people with LSD and experimenting on them and watching what they did. It's like, okay, so now if you didn't know any of that, you know, it just doesn't right. make sense. But if you start to understand what people are willing to do and all of the crazy shit that's happening behind the scenes, then it starts to make a little bit more sense that yeah, <laughs> why and how. Yeah. But it takes time. You can't just say, yep, CIA killed Kennedy. You're like, nah, you're crazy. We should almost do... Because it's like a, it's a binary. We should... Yeah, for all the non-binary stuff these days. <laughs> yeah, we're non-binary. Non-binary thinkers, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we should do an episode on, like, all the CIA uh, supposedly no longer happen operations. Yeah, that, that would be fun. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go. So I think we've probably beat to death, unless you know we want to like write a book or something about ancient civilizations. Probably, really good on that one. Um, oh, dude! Oh, I just had the thought. Okay, so remember that episode that we did that didn't get recorded? Uh, I don't remember um, what we talked about on that, but well, well, so it may. Hmm, I don't know if I should say this on that episode might get taken down but yeah i i have some suspicions as to what might have happened with that one. what um at least what when we got booted at the yeah. beginning um it like kicked us out and we had to start it back up but then my mic was muted which could have just been a technical difficulty but i i think i should um we should end this and i should tell you about that <laughs> And decide if we want to talk about it on the next All one. All right, I'm I'm curious now. All right, I'll I'll stop recording. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We're gonna decide <laughs> if, uh, if we can tell you this or not. <laughs> All right. I'm telling you, this is a it's a legitimate cliffhanger. But... All right, we'll see everybody next time. <laughs> Bye. podcasts and waste of time get out of here get out of here people you're wasting your life <laughs>